What's up, you guys? My name is Steven Van Valkenburg, and this is my first ever podcast. Um, thank you if you're tuning in. Uh, I hope that I'm not super boring. <laughs> um, I'm super stoked to do this. This is something I've always wanted to do. So, like, now that I'm doing it, I'm just hella excited. Uh, so I had posted about this on my Facebook, and I, like, ask friends and family and other people that I have on there um, what they wanted me to talk about. And they wanted me to talk about just, you know, things that have happened in my life or, like, experiences I have had. And everybody that knows me knows that I am a avid storyteller. Like, I love to tell stories. Um, it's kind of my thing because... I don't know what it is about me, if it's my vibe or the atmosphere or the universe or what it is, but if there is a weird situation, I'm going to be put into it. And so, (laughs) um, yeah, I just have had a lot of like really taboo, super weird stuff that has happened to me. So I think today to kind of give you like the basics of me and kind of where I came from and how I grew up, I'm going to talk about where I come from, which is good old Pikeville, Tennessee. Um, If you've never heard of it, I'm not surprised. It's a really, really small, really, really backwoods, weird place to be. And I'm sorry if you're in Pikeville listening to this. Um, This is my personal experience. I'm not saying it's this way for everybody, but for me, it did not feel like home. I moved there when I was six. Uh, I was adopted in Florida. And, you know, going from Florida to this small town in Tennessee was like a huge, huge change. And uh, my siblings and I were homeschooled until sixth grade. I started public school in Tennessee. And just that was itself like a culture shock. And I dealt with a lot of racism while I was trying to figure out who I was as a person. Um, Which, you know, everybody goes through that. Um, Maybe not the racism, but, (laughs) um, you know, just trying to figure out who you are and kind of what makes you you and, you know, who is really your friend and who's not and, you know, all that great stuff. But on top of it, I was trying to figure out my sexuality and how to, like understand the feelings that I was feeling because everybody around me was telling me that it wasn't normal and, you know, it wasn't right to think this way. And, you know, I didn't really have a lot of openness where I grew up. And so dealing with that on top of being black in this town was just, it was hard. It was really hard. And I remember um, when I had started school, I had just gotten out of the hospital because I have Crohn's and I was on steroids that kind of made me chubby. Looking back, I was chubby. I wasn't like huge, but I went from being this really active kid to when I was really sick, I was in a wheelchair for a bit. And, you know, I took these steroids and anybody that knows anything about steroids is if you're not exercising or doing what you need to do, they can kind of make you blow up. So, When I went to public school, I was super kind, super nice, very naive, you know, even in sixth grade, I think kids were kind of figuring out, you know, people are mean. (laughs) 
I didn't really have that because I was always around my family, you know, people that were grounded and, you know, I, I knew, you know, they weren't mean people. And so I really wasn't around that negative headspace, you know, and, um, so me being kind of overweight, I remember some of the boys would tease me about it and I just tried so hard to be nice and, I remember I could only make friends with the girls, which made me really self-conscious because I was like, oh, you know, I don't have any guy friends. Are people going to know? Because even back then I knew I didn't like girls, you know, but it was something I was trying to fight, you know, a little bit. And so um, I remember from that age, I started having eating disorders and I would go periods where I just wouldn't eat at all. Um, and then I got to the point I got bulimic and as this continued on, I started to become hateful and mean and all these things I didn't want to be, you know, I would push people away that wanted to be in my life for the right reasons. And I would do really bad things. I was mean to people. I was really mean. I was a bully and it it doesn't make it right, but I felt like if I could just be in control of the bullying, then maybe it would be better for me. Even though people weren't terribly mean to me, it was just, I was already having depression and body dysmorphia and all this stuff. And on top of it, people being mean, it, it was just, I, I couldn't handle it. I'm, I wasn't mentally strong enough at that time to really deal with it. And so as I got older, I became, like I said, a more mean. And um, I remember by eighth grade, that's when my eating disorder had gotten really bad. Um, I was making myself throw up every day. I would skip meals. Uh, there was one time I didn't eat for like four days straight. Um, and then when I would eat, it would be such a little amount. I would get sick. I would get lightheaded. Um, it it was a bad time. And, um, I just, I really was losing myself. And then I went to high school and that's when my dad passed away. And it was just, it was unexpected. So that was like a huge shock to... My family and I, my dad and I weren't the closest, but, you know, it's always hard, I think, when you lose a parent. And I think it made it harder because we lived in this small town, so everybody was in your business. And I know people mean well, but it's overwhelming when you're in school and everybody's coming up to you and, like, telling you how sorry they are for you or just staring at you because we had my siblings and I we had to go to school the next day because that's when all the state testing was it just fell that way and we couldn't miss our test or else we would have had to come in like the next week and make it up and none of us wanted to do that so we came to school and did our test and it was just it was too much um (laughs) funny story to this I remember I was in class and there was this teacher, um, I won't, I won't say her name, but super nice woman, uh, very, very good teacher. And, um, I think she had moved to the school, like it was either that year or the year prior and, um, very nice woman. 
I remember that day I went to school, I was in class, you know, getting ready for the test. And this girl I went to school with, um, (laughs) Molly, who is another just really, really sweet person. She was across um, the classroom and I don't think she knew that my, well, I know for a fact she didn't know that my dad had passed away or else she wouldn't have done this. But she was a good friend of mine in school and like I said, just super nice girl. So if something was wrong, she always asked and um, she could tell that I wasn't myself because I did a really good job at hiding my emotions and uh, she she hollered at me from across the classroom and she said hey Steven are you okay you don't look too good and I just you know started crying I I guess I was just overwhelmed and uh, of course she was like what the fuck you know like what did I do Um, and then uh, this teacher came over to me and she's like Steven she's like what's wrong and you know I you could tell she expected me to say something like my dad, not my dad, my dog ran away or, you know, I, I don't know. I had a fight with my brother, you know, something along those lines. And I'm crying, like snot running down my nose. And I'm like, oh, my dad died last night. <laughs> and the look on her face, she's like, why? She's, she said to me, she's like, why are you here? Like, why, <laughs> why are you in school? And I was like, I gotta take my test and I'm just so stressed out and like just crying, you know, it was, it was really, really bad. And so, um, that happened. <laughs> and so, you know, after a while it, you know, it got better, but it, it was hard there for a while because now we have my mom taking care of four boys and we were all pretty much the same age. Um, my brother, Jake, he stepped in kind of as a parent, you know, he was helping us out a lot. Um, I had a really good friend in school. He's my best friend, uh, Peyton. Uh, he he's a great person. He stepped in and he basically he was my, not only my best friend, but he was like a parent. He took me to everything. He included me in his family events. He would take me shopping. He would buy my food. He would make sure I could do drama and you know just I owe a lot of my a little bit of happiness I had in school was because of him because he really went out of his way uh and went above and beyond to make sure I I had that safe space and so I really appreciated um him for that and his entire family I mean they're all just really genuinely good good people and if you're from Pikeville know me you know who I'm talking about I don't even have to say the last name um Great people, great, 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 great people. His mom is one of the sweetest people <laughs> I think anybody could ever meet. I mean, she's literally, I think, the Dolly Parton <laughs> of Pikeville. I love her, and so um, yeah, I was, I was really lucky to have him as a best friend. Um, so, anyways, I'll get back on track. Um, high school, high school. As I progressed. Um, I would have a lot of ups and I would have a lot of downs. And at this point in my life, I was pretty much well-liked, I feel like, throughout the school. No one really gave me any issues. It all came down to me at that point, and I still was not happy with myself. I hated where I lived. I hated um, waking up every day and having to go face people that I knew wouldn't like who I was if they knew and 
um, my eating disorder was getting worse and I was getting suicidal and I had horrible, like dark, dark, dark thoughts about like not being here anymore. And it just got really heavy. And I know for a bit, um, I kind of lost my way and I started like fooling around with different drugs and doing stuff that wasn't right. And, um, it was hard and I, I just, I tried so hard to hide my emotions and I think that's what made it worse. I, I never talked about my stuff. Um, I was always the friend that I felt like was there for other people. And I, I never really felt like I had that, you know, and so that was really difficult for me, but you know, I got through it. Um, so graduation comes around and I don't go to college. I start working and I start working at the prison in my town because that is the only job that pays semi-decent in the area if you don't want to drive 45 to minutes to an hour. And so I started working there and I worked there off and on for two years. Um, a really, really weird job. Grateful for it in some ways, not grateful for it in other ways. It really messed me up. Again, I just was not, a, I was not in a happy headspace. So to be depressed and to work at a prison where you're there, we would work 12 hour shifts. And if we got drafted, it would be 16 hour shifts. And then I was volunteering all the time. There was two months straight where we were so short staffed. I would volunteer. I volunteered every single day. It was horrible. And, you know, I can't blame anybody for that. I chose to do it. I could have left at any, at any time, but I got so wrapped up in this world of just being depressed at home and going to work and being around people. Obviously, inmates are locked in here. They're depressed, and then you're around that energy, and it kind of weighs on you. Um, it was horrible. And while we were there, I remember in some of my, like, darkest times, um, there was an officer who was, he was amazing. I don't want to mention his name. Um but he actually ended up committing uh, suicide. And I remember everybody at the prison was very, very like devastated. He had been there for years and beyond like being a good officer, he was just a really good person. He would make you laugh and um, just a really good person. And uh, I remember like hearing that and just, I don't know, just going kind of numb because I was in that place, you know, and I knew that wasn't the outcome I wanted. And I think that was kind of my pivotal point because I don't know, it it was almost like triggering, I guess. And so I remember I went home later on that week from work and I got, I just, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to even think about it because I'm so far from that place now but I remember I went home and I already had it in my mind that that I was going to I was just going to end it all. You know, I just I was I was really emotionally, physically drained. I didn't want to continue life anymore. I thought what's the purpose? This is 
if this is li- what life is, I don't, I don't want to live it. And I sent my mom a really like, hor- it was horrible. I sent her a horrible message saying like, I love you. I, I hope you know I'll always love you. Uh, I hope I see you again soon, someday, or something like that. And she called my brother. My brother came over and uh, met me, and I he he took me to a mental hospital, and that's where I went. So I went there and um, spent some time in there, trying to figure out what was going on with me. I I kind of already knew, but. I didn't, I didn't talk about it like I had said before, and so I, I didn't really work through any of it, and so I go, and I'm at this hospital, and I have nurses coming in, like, every 30 minutes, like, are you okay? Do you want to eat? Like, <laughs> you know, like, the last thing you want to do when you're depressed, eating disorder or not, you do not want to eat, you don't want to do anything, you just want to be in bed, and you want to close all the blinds and you just want to lay there and basically sleep until you die. So, you know, it's just like, I remember being irritated that they would ask that question. And I remember everything was like, you, you, I don't know. It was weird. Like locks on the door didn't lock, you know, you couldn't lock the door. You had no privacy and then you're trying to sleep, but they're coming in to make sure you're alive. It was just too much. And so, finally, I get out of there, and uh, that week, I started therapy. It was like, I went for like a week, and I told my boss, I was like, I'm putting in my two weeks, and then it was just out of the blue. Uh, They had, they knew about me checking into the hospital, because they had to, but um, yeah, I told them that I was going to put in my two weeks, and everybody was upset, but I had to do it. I had to do it for me, you know, I just, I I wasn't okay, and I needed to get away from that place, and so I put in my two weeks, and um, I was talking to my friend, uh, my best friend at the time, and she was like, what are you going to do, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I said, I I don't know, I don't know what's going to make me happy, I just, I I know I don't want to feel like this anymore. And, uh, she was like, well, you just need to do what makes you happy. And, you know, I, I always knew part of the reason I wasn't happy was because of the area I lived in. So my idea was, Hey, I'm going to move. And that week I went online. I found a roommate in the Gulf Shore area in Alabama. Why I moved to the South? I don't know. I mean, I was still in the South, but I don't know <laughs> why I moved to another place in the South was crazy. I I don't know why I thought it would get better, but I met him online and I was like, Hey, you, could I be your roommate for, you know, the summer? And that's what his posting was. It was like groomsters or whatever. He's like, yeah. And we talked, we hit it off. Well, he was cool. So that week I literally planned on leaving. And, um, I remember I kind of left and didn't really tell anybody. I just told people that I was really close to So I left and I moved to the beach and that's when things, (laughs) it's weird because you know, they say you have to like hit rock bottom to like really get better. And I feel like that was kind of that point for me because, you know, I moved and 
I was happy. Well, not happy, but I was better, I think, for like the first three days. Um, but, oh my God, depression just hit me hard. Not being around people that, you know, you don't have any support and I had no friends. Um, my roommate was nice to me, but, you know, that that wasn't enough for me. He was my roommate. And so um, I remember just crying one day driving (laughs) and down there by the beach there's all these condos there you know you can drive for miles and there's condo after condo and they all have these names and um I was driving just bawling my eyes out and I'm talking out loud and I'm not religious by any means um I you know I, I just I'm not and but I was talking out loud I guess to just the universe because I I needed somebody to talk to and I'm driving and I'm like, again, just crying, crying, crying. And I'm like, I'm like, God, dad, grandma, like whoever is out there, like whoever the fuck I need to talk to, like who, who do I need to talk to? Just send me a sign, send me a sign that I'm going to be okay. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't feel okay. And I, I'm, I, I just want to give up. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and on Spotify, it was Spotify or Pandora or whatever, whatever radio station that like shuffles the music or whatever. I had it just on this random station and this song came on. It was called Sunflower. And it was like, it was a really, really weird song because it was very much about like being, the lyrics are, I'm trying to think, it was, um, you're my sunflower, not not the Post Malone song, but it's it's by somebody else. But it's basically saying, like, when when the night is gray and hope just hides away, I'll be your sunflower or something like that. And I, like, looked up when the song came on and there was a condo with a big sunflower on it and it's, like, sunflower. And just telling that story now, I just got cold chills because I remember that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'll be okay. Like, I knew that was a sign from whoever, the spaghetti monster in the sky, whatever you believe. I don't know, but it was a sign for me that, hey, everything's going to be okay. And it was still hard, but it did. It got it got better. I got better with eating. Um, I learned, like, a healthy relationship with food. Um there were some dark moments, like, again, I was down by the beach, and, um, I was friends with a lot of young people down there, and I got into drinking excessively, you know, it's different to drink to have fun, but, um, when it becomes, like, an everyday thing, it's dangerous, and, you know, I started drinking a lot, and, um, partying a lot, and, you know, doing drugs, and all that, crazy stuff, and, um, so, just, I remember, like, during all that, I would think about that condo, and I would drive back to that condo pretty, like, frequently, I just had to go there, because it was almost like my safe space, um, and it did, it got better, I ended up moving back to Pikeville, still not being happy, and then I moved around from place to place, and, you know, I just, 
figured if I lived somewhere else, all my problems would go away. And sadly, that is not true. Um, but <laughs> I think being out of Pikeville helped a little bit. But, you know, you have to dig a little deeper than that. So over the years, I just really started like thinking about what was going to make me happy. Because I think I went forever trying to please other people and putting other people first. And, you know, I really had to step back and question, where is my happiness going to come from? You know, is it coming from these people that I'm putting first? And a lot of the answers were no. I had to reevaluate a lot of my friendships and relationships with family and you know whatever it was and when I did that I I slowly but surely became happier and don't get me wrong like cutting some people out of your life is really really difficult and there's some people you know I I still think about and I miss but I think as you grow up and you get older just because you don't have somebody in your life doesn't mean you don't care about them Um, it's just, you know, people grow and people grow apart and that's okay. It's part of life and it happens and all you can really do is learn from it. Try to be a better person. And, you know, if you guys are meant to cross paths again, it will a hundred percent believe that. And, um, so anyways, you know, I, I did that and I started like, saying positive things to myself because I would like look in the mirror for years and be like oh you were so gross you're disgusting you're fat you have stretch marks you I hate the color of your my skin you know like just really mean degrading stuff and um stuff I had heard from exes or friends or family members or you know whatever you know just being comments that you here you kind of like hold on to those mean ones it's you can hear one mean comment and you'll hold on to that over 20 good comments because people have always told me like oh you're handsome you have beautiful skin your hair is so cool whatever it is and it's so hard to believe that when you focus on the negative and um I did it I focused on the negative and I didn't see my worth and I didn't see the good things that people saw in me uh, funny story while thinking about it. Um, I remember one day <laughs> I was smoking weed and I was like, oh my God, just hysterical. Like I was laughing constantly and I was by myself, which makes the story even fucking <laughs> weirder. But I remember I was by myself laughing out loud and just feeling like really really good and like feeling all these emotions and I just kept laughing 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 and I remember I said out loud and I was like oh my god this is what people feel like when they're around me this is what how I make people feel and because everybody always tells me I make them laugh or I make them feel this way you know and it, it was it's always been positive stuff and um, as stupid as I was that came from me smoking pot, you know, just being high, I like held on to that. I'm like, you know, maybe this is how I make people feel. Maybe, you know, if I make people feel this happy, I must be a good person. And that's what's important to me. And so, um, <laughs> that, you know, that I've held on to that and 
I think it really like registers now when people see me. I'm a lot happier and I'm a lot more in touch with who I am. And I finally have an apartment, like a real apartment. I'm on a lease and everything. Um, I'm going to start college soon. I am working. I am finally out of like my debts. I am just the happiest I've been in a really long time and genuinely happy. Like, that's what's great is I can say and I actually mean it. I'm happy. I don't really have bad days anymore. I'm dating somebody I really care about at the moment. Um, and that's probably the best relationship I've had so far. And I have all these good things happening to me. And it just felt like when everything started to work out, it all happened at one time. And that's so amazing because I was so used to so much bad happening at one time. And so it's really nice to be in a good place. And I'm really excited that I'm getting to do this uh, with you guys, whoever's listening, if anybody's listening. Um, this is something I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to be on social media and kind of like entertain the idea not that I think I'll be some big creator and I mean it's not important to me to be a big creator but if I can like touch one person or like share my story and it helps somebody else like then that's cool you know I think that's what the internet man <laughs> is for you know I it's crazy to me that people do it just for being famous or the money to me it's about connecting with people because I know in a lot of those dark times I would go on the internet and find like vloggers or podcasts or whatever that made me feel safe and like I wasn't alone. Mark and Ethan on YouTube, if you guys haven't seen them, check them out. I used to watch their videos all the time. I think that they broke up, but um, they make you feel very like homey and like comfortable and that's like the same vibes. I want to bring. Um, so anyways, I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, that's kind of the story of me. Not all of it. I'll touch on more if you guys want me to. I also have funny stories. I have sad stories. Um, I have a lot to talk about. And so if you guys want more, let me know. Hit me up on social media. Steven Van Valkenburg on pretty much everything. Uh, and yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I've enjoyed talking to you guys and sharing a little bit about me and hopefully this picks up. Uh, so until next time, I'll see ya. Love ya. Talk soon. (laughs) Bye.